1: Welcome to the Arrowhead Attic Podcast. Please welcome your hosts, Patrick Allen and Matt Verderam.
0: What's up, Chiefs Kingdom? My name is Patrick Allen, and you are here for another edition of Victory Edition of the Arrowhead Attic Podcast. I'm joined, as always, by my football genius co-host, Matt Verderam, Matt, pretty good, weird Monday afternoon football game.
1: Uh, Yeah, yeah. That was uh, a good job by the Chiefs. I said on the last podcast that I wasn't going to go crazy and overreact to one loss against the Raiders. They didn't play well. The Raiders played great, give them credit. I said if they lost to Buffalo, I would would have a different tone. Well, thankfully, for everyone who's listening, I don't have to have a different tone. They went out. They played well. I thought they did what they should have been doing the last two weeks offensively, which is to say, they just said, you know what? You want to play back and drop seven? Great. We're going to run the ball. We're going to throw underneath. We're going to cut, we're going to cut you to death with a 1,000 paper cuts. They did a nice job. Um, kudos to the Chiefs, and I thought defensively they played very well. So it's a big win. Uh, it's a big win. You get a big tiebreaker. You, you know, a nice conference win, and you, you move forward feeling pretty good.
0: Very reminiscent of the Houston Texans game. A very similar game plan for them. And I really just felt like what I really liked was after the game, I heard a few interviews with Patrick Mahomes, and he was echoing sort of what we've been talking about on this podcast really since week one, which was, hey, if teams are going to play us like this, we need to be able to run the football, show we can run the football, take the short passes, and now the Chiefs, if they can do that, they're going to start putting teams in a bind eventually if they're just gashing them on the ground. Uh, All right, so... We gotta talk about Le'Veon Bell. We did a podcast the day that Le'Veon Bell signed, but we recorded before he signed. So we didn't do an emergency pod because I wanted to do an emergency pod, but we had already recorded. And frankly, I felt like we had talked about Le'Veon Bell quite a bit. So I feel like all the content was there for you guys. Obviously, you didn't get to get our reactions right away. We'll give them to you now. Verder Am, I, I I was saying this all week. I'm going to say it again I thought it was a brilliant signing by the Chiefs and I feel like they really highlighted tonight why this was a good signing for them they ran the heck out of Clyde Edwards he did a really great job if teams are going to try to wear them out like that and force them to run the ball they need a running back stable that's really formidable that they can really trot out there and make teams pay Le'Veon Bell should be able to do that are you feeling the same way
1: look I think Bell's a good signing I mean they signed him for a one and a half, you know, million. And I reached out um after after he was signed, I reached out to you know to someone with knowledge of their thinking. And and essentially the reality is they felt that, you know, I I, I guess I should put it this way. I texted, what do you th- you know, what do you see with Bell? Is it is it, you know, well red zone, is it, is it third down? Is it pass pro? And and the answer was, you know, all of it. Like essentially Essentially, they still see Clyde Edwards-Alaire as a starter, okay? And that's before tonight. So they see him as a starting back. But Bell comes in, and I think he's a guy they're looking at, hey, maybe he gets every third touch. You know, he can come in, a little bit of bigger back in goal line, a little bit of a bigger back in short yardage. And you saw that tonight. Looking third and one, they went to Darrell Williams. They ran a pitch play, lost four yards. I think if Bell's there, they probably give the ball to Bell and go between the tackles. So, you know, Bell gives them these things um, that – that they maybe feel like they could use in addition to Clyde Edwards Alaire. And then also, look, they don't want to wear Clyde Edwards Alaire out. So I think it's a great sign. There's no downside. If Bell's not terrific, then fine, who cares? And if he is, well, then my God, it's all the better.
0: And I, I won't be surprised. I think they had a couple formations tonight where they had three guys in the backfield. Uh, Kelsey, I think, was back there um, and uh, w- with Clyde. So it'll be interesting to see if they put Bell out there and just really kind of throw teams for a loop a little bit with some formations like that moving forward. I love the signing. I think it's fantastic. I wish we could have seen him tonight. But you know what? It was actually kind of nice for Clyde to get this game to be like, hey, just so you know, I'm the guy. I've got all the skills. We're going to be formidable here. I'm going to be a good teammate. I did hear on the broadcast that, they, that Le'Veon Bell actually talked to Clyde before they even made the signing, which I thought was pretty cool. So sounds like everything's going to be okay in the running back room.
1: Yeah, I think they're fine.
0: Before we get to the game, I want to get just one one quick little question for you. I tweeted this out. Cole Beasley, always like Cole Beasley, really good sort of underrated player um, for his teams over the years, doing a lot of underneath stuff. I was looking at him, and I <laughs> tweeted this out. I said, Cole Beasley looks like a guy who's always got a case of Bud Heavy in his trunk. And he got some pretty good engagements, and people were joking around about the different types of beer they think. What, what what what's your read on Cole Beasley? What kind of what kind of beers he got back there? Is it Bud Heavy?
1: Uh, yeah, there's a, there's a lot of Bush Light, Bud Light, Bud Lime. Uh, there's Ice House.
0: Ice House. Um,
1: yeah. Yeah. There's there's definitely some oldie, some some malt liquor. Um, there's stuff that you would play Edward Forty Hands with your buddies with at college. Yeah. Like yeah. There's no high class beer in there. You're not you're not pulling out the you're not pulling out any IPAs. Right, it's it's just, it's a lot of stuff that you get a twelve pack on discount for at the gas station. <laughs> right, I mean, if you just uh, you know
0: if your car broke down and you you happen to stumble into a fraternity house to use somebody's phone, would you be the least bit surprised to see Colby easily sitting there with a forty? I'd almost be disappointed if you watched it. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Taking uh, the look. Okay, let's get to the game. Chiefs twenty six, Bills seventeen. I want to go over our score predictions as we always like to do earlier in the week. I didn't know it was going to be a rainstorm. So I think our, our, our score predictions were a little bit higher than, than they turned out to be. Matt Connor joined us in the midweek episode last week, editor of Arrowhead Attic. Matt had it Chiefs 28, Bills 24. Verderam, you had it Chiefs 34, Bills 27. And I added a blowout, Chiefs 38, Bills 24. So I, I don't think we, we, we weren't too far off. I missed the mark the most though.
1: Uh, no, but we all got one thing right. The Chiefs won the game. So, right. it worked out fine.
0: Real quick before we get into the main topics. Are you worried about Harrison
1: Butker? No, but he's got to get his act together. I mean, now, here's the good thing with him. They just gave him an extension. So, it's not like he's worried you're going to cut him. Like, he can he can kick with confidence. But, you can't be missing extra points every game, man. Like you just can't. At some point you gotta be that said, you know, when they needed him to drill out field goal, I know it was a short kick, but it was in a driving rainstorm right through the uprights. So I'm not worried. I think it's just a slump and it happens, but he needs to he needs to get out of his own head a little bit and start kicking these things through again. Yeah, maybe it's just a focus issue. And tonight you want
0: to give him a mulligan because of the weather. Uh, maybe just slipped a little bit. Didn't look like he did. Just didn't hit it too cleanly. But you got rain in your eyes and all that stuff. It's not the best of situations there in Buffalo. But look, the Chiefs play in Kansas City. They're going to need Harrison Bucker, bad weather or yep. no. Yep. Be able to do his thing. And in a game like this, you know, when it got tight there for a while, it you were looking at that point
1: and you were like, "Damn, I, we oh, yeah. really needed that point." My father had comments about that point when it was twenty three to seventeen. He was uh, <laughs> he was displeased that it was not a seven point uh, game at that at that juncture. Okay, so let's let's talk about
0: the defense and the way that the Bills played the Chiefs. The Bills actually liked to blitz quite a bit, and they really didn't do that tonight at all. They showed blitz a lot, and then they I think they they were using some of that Bill Belichick strategy where oh it looks like we're all coming, and then they rush three guys, drop everybody back in the coverage. It didn't seem to flummox the Chiefs too much, but it did seem to, on occasion, it, it, it helped keep the game close, right? And, and, and they talked about this on the broadcast. If, if the Chiefs got to a third down and they didn't, you know, they dropped the ball or didn't convert, it, it really seemed to help. It really forced the Chiefs to move the ball down the field in a little bit of a painful manner. Do you think we're going to see more of this? Strategy Verteram or team's going to start trying to mix it up, because what the chiefs did show tonight was against a pretty good football team, they can run the football, they can play good defense, and you know they can win a, a tight game.
1: So I think that tonight was really important, and not just because they won the game. like that's great, they won the game, right That's the ultimate, of course, but that tape now is going to get to their next opponent in Denver and, and beyond that. And teams are going to go, well, do we really want to drop seven the whole game? Because uh, that wasn't pretty, what happened to the Bills. I mean, the Chiefs essentially show they can run the ball. And if you're going to win in the NFL, as the Chiefs have done, and you know, obviously Super Bowl champion, you need to be able to win more than one way. You've got to have an answer for when teams start to adjust <clears throat> Excuse me, and do different things. And I <clears throat> I thought it was important that they ran the ball. And they, I didn't expect them to run 46 times for 240. 45 yards whatever it was, but but I thought it was important. Uh, They did a great job with it. So I do think you'll still see it because ultimately teams are going to say, we cannot let them kill us with these shot plays that are just 70 yards and in the end zone. And against the Chiefs, look, let's be real. It's all about the red zone and third downs with the Chiefs. That's it. Because teams are going to let them go up and down the field. They're going to. There's no – you're not going to stop the Chiefs. Just not, they have too much talent. You're, you're very willing, if you're the Bills, to say, or any team for that matter, we don't care if you drive the ball to the 15-yard line, kick a field goal to win. So for the Chiefs, it's all about situational football. Red zone's third down. And to their credit, tonight, they got down the red zone. They were very good um, on third down. I don't have the stats right in front of me, but they were good. I know they were good on third down. So they, they did a nice job. And when they needed the big play, like on third and 12, late in the fourth quarter, Mahomes scrambles out, finds Pringle for a big shot. So I thought, yeah, you are going to see more of this, but it's fine as long as the Chiefs continue to move the ball the way they did.
0: And Le'Veon Bell is obviously going to add a whole new dimension to what they just did. There wasn't a lot of razzle-dazzle tonight from the offense. You know, There were some of their customary tricky screens, play actions. We didn't see a ton of jet sweeps or anything like that. It was very much just... Send the fast guys deep down the field, clear out some space, spread them out. When they're throwing it, dump it off. A lot of Kelsey, a lot of DeMarcus Robinson. I think we talked about this last week. I felt like this was going to be one of those games where you, you saw some DeMarcus Robinson or it was going to be a Nicole Hardman game. And yep. it was DeMarcus Robinson who really stepped up tonight.
1: Look, he, he did. He did. And by the way, just to wrap the ball in my point third down the Chiefs tonight, 9-14. Like that's... How you went – oh, and by the way, they had 6.4 yards per play. I think the league lead uh, is Green Bay, or at least it was going into the weekend. They were like 6.7. So despite the whole idea of you're not going to beat us the big play, the Chiefs still were right at the top of the mark. Yards per play, they were great right on third down. The Chiefs ran 73 plays. Buffalo ran 50. The Chiefs outgained them 466 to 206. And I, and 70 of that, for the Bills came on that drive late in the game, the Chiefs were kind of in a prevent. Um My only qualm about the Chiefs is the penalties. there are eight more penalties for 68 yards, you cannot do that. You absolutely cannot do that. I do think a couple of the calls were dubious. I'm not going to sit here and be the guy who blames the officials. I did think some of the calls were bad. But eight for 68 still something that they're going to have to call attention to. But overall, hey, they're great. I mean, they went on the road and they kicked a good team's ass. That's that's big boy football. Chiefs did a nice job.
0: I'd like to call out, too, for Buffalo, that – their punter did a hell of a job. I mean, yes, absolutely incredible. We had four punts inside the 20. He averaged 53 yards per punt. And that's one of the reasons why some of those Chiefs drives stalled out. It was just because they were starting back so far. They got just across the 50, and then the Bills were able to hold them on a third down. So I think without that punter, whose, whose last name is, I do not know how to pronounce, uh, Corey... He spelled B-O- Can't
1: help you. Yeah, ahead.
0: B-O-J-O-R-Q-U-E-Z. Apologies to the Bills punter, but hell of a job. One of the best performances of anybody on the team really kept things close for them. So uh, if, if teams are going to have to play the field position game with the Chiefs as well, Tommy Townsend for the Chiefs, he only punted uh, twice for 80 yep. yards. Uh, one of those was in, inside the 20. So he did uh, a nice job with what he had, but the Chiefs were mostly moving the football. Okay, so let's talk about Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. And we're going to, by extension, we're going to talk about the, the offensive line because there's a lot of really interesting nuggets in there as well. But he was just outrageous. 26 carries, 161 yards. Some of these were, I don't want to say easy runs, but the, the offensive line was doing a really great job. They opened him up for him, and he ran in there. And then, of course, he had some, some great runs after contact made some moves, so it was a nice year for him. You don't, look, you don't run for 161 yards without help from your offensive line. It just doesn't happen. Uh, This was the most rushing attempts, 46, and the most yards, 245 total, in a game under Andy Reid for the Chiefs, and I believe I heard after the game that it was the most rushing attempts, or tied for the most rushing attempts for Reid in his entire career. So if there are any of those old Eagles fans who spent 10 years screaming at Andy Reid to run the football. I hope they were watching tonight and they got a little
1: catharsis in this game. What what did you think, Bergram? I thought they did exactly what they were supposed to do in this game. Exactly what they were supposed to do. If you're going to play defense like that and basically play cover three, cover four, drop seven, these big, big, soft cushion zones, you need to make them pay. And the Chiefs last two weeks didn't do that. They just refused to do it. They didn't try to run the ball. This game was exactly what they were supposed to do. And Edwards-Alaire, 161 yards on the ground, like you said, okay? Everybody's talked about, like, this pick somehow. Like, well, I don't know if it's really been the right pick, if it's worked out. Edwards-Alaire now, by the way, is second in the league in rushing behind Derrick Henry. They don't even give him the ball, and he's second in the league. He's literally not seen the football before this game. It's like Houston. And he's now up over 500 yards. Uh, I believe, if I'm doing the math real quick in my head, I believe he's at 5'05", I think, maybe 5'15". If I, I, I swear to God, I, I should really learn how to do math. Um, he, Yeah, he's the only other guy over 500 yards in the league. Derrick Henry's got 5'88". I think he said it. he
0: came in in 10th in the league? He came in 17th. Oh, 17th. Wow.
1: Yeah. Now, obviously, everybody else, you know, a lot of these guys play the game more. But, I mean... You know he's second now in the league in, in yardage, and by the way, as far as how many attempts he has, I mean, he now had 26 carries tonight. Okay, so all told, he's got 107 carries, which by the, shocks me is third most in the NFL. I am shocked by that, that he is the third most carries in the NFL, but he's second in yardage. I mean, the kid. Has done a great job. And, and Joe Mixon has more carries than him. He's 119. He has 3.6 yards in attempt. He basically has the same amount as Josh Jacobs, who also has 3.7 yards in attempt, 3.6, rather. Edwards Alaire, after tonight's four, five. Like the Chiefs, that's a real thing. And now they have Le'Veon Bell in the mix. I thought they did a great job. And to segue into the next thing, um, our, our old buddy of Fanside and, and a friend of mine, Jeff Schwartz, and our text after the game, the Chiefs interior line just destroyed Buffalo. I mean, there were some runs in that thing where he wasn't even touched. He was blowing through the line, and that's a revamped interior. That was a revamped line period. Mitchell Schwartz basically didn't play tonight. He was hurt. Um, I give them a lot of credit. They were phenomenal.
0: They really were, and that's a great stat for Clyde. I think people just – they weren't. I think the expectations were really high. There was a lot of hype around the drafting of this kid – and I think people need to remember, one, he's a rookie, for goodness sake. He's a, he's a rookie, and he is not the first or second or third option on this team when it comes to right. people you need to get the ball to. So all that aside, he's still learning. He's going to get better. I think maybe Kareem Hunt's so remarkable that he spoiled us a little bit with that rookie season that he had. And, and Clyde's doing fantastic. I'd be interested. I don't know. We'll have to go back and look and compare Hunt through this many games, through six games, and Clyde Edwards-Helaire, but a little bit of high expectations. He hasn't scored a lot of touchdowns. I'm sure that's played into it too for everybody that drafted him in fantasy. But you're absolutely right. He's been terrific for them. He's only going to get better. And frankly, I really think that the addition of Le'Veon Bell is going to make him even better. Getting to watch a guy like that who's had this much success in the NFL up close is is going to be fantastic for him.
1: Yeah. I mean, look, the guy's averaging – I just said the math real quick. He's averaging 5.1 yards a carry. Like, that, that's tremendous. If you're averaging over five yards a carry, having one of the best years in the NFL, period. There is no reason to be down on Clyde Edwards-Alaire, and he showed why in this game. He was dominant. And, yes, the offensive line is dominant. And, and to me, that is where, as much as with Edwards-Alaire or anywhere else, the game starts. Because Schwartz goes out, they got to kick Remmers out the right tackle where he hasn't played all year for the Chiefs. Now he has in the past, he's a veteran guy, he's played in a lot of teams, he's played tackle. Daniel Kilgore comes in, who's a veteran guy as well, played Miami, San Francisco, he's a center by trade, and of course it's where he played um, you know, with the, with the, the Chiefs uh, tonight. And then Nick Allegretti, who had never started a game for the Chiefs, his second year um, – I would say it was dominant. I mean, I got to go back and look at the tape, obviously, and I will, but absolutely road grading guys. It wasn't like they were giving pressure up the middle either on the passing game. I mean, Andrew Wiley as well, of course, the other guard spot was great. The Chiefs destroyed Buffalo. I mean, that was about as thorough a domination of a team as you're ever going to see at the line of scrimmage. The Chiefs just were moving them down the field with them. It was a great effort by a line that does not have a lot of cohesion, but I'm guessing. I'm guessing the interior of the line, that's probably what you're looking at going forward because I don't think they're going to be changing that up after uh, the way they play. Yeah, I thought
0: Kilgore was fantastic. I went back and watched some of those runs, and he was not only was he hustling downfield and moving well, he was just flat out taking his guy out of the play on almost every snap, moving him wherever he wanted to move him, keeping him away from the ball carrier. The the combination of of him and Allegretti, really impressive. Obviously, we hope Mitchell gets – Gets well and, and, and is able to deal with his, his back issue because uh, yep. he's one of the best in the business. But put him back on the field with these guys and even Fisher. Fisher was pancaking guys all over the field tonight. So, I, yeah, I mean, that was really, really good to see for the offensive line. We'll see how they hold up and pass pro when they get back into more of those situations where they need some time. But I thought they did a pretty good job tonight. Mahomes was able to move around in the pocket a little bit, he was able to escape and make plays with his legs as well so you know people will get taped they'll take a look at everything but a really great start for for these guys and i'm really excited about kilgore
1: i thought listen i agree by the way kilgore is excellent allegretti funny story i was going back from the super bowl last year i got on the plane on whatever you know, monday morning bleary eyed very tired and this guy gets on the on the plane big big dude his wife his wife Maybe his girlfriend um all decked out in chief stuff. And I just, you know, walked past him on my way to my sister, I was like, Hey, bet you enjoyed the game last night. He's like, Sure did. My brother's got a ring. I was like, Who's your brother? He was like, Nick Allegretti. And we we're sitting there talking. Great dude. So his brother's a really nice guy. That's awesome. Um, yeah. Nice dude. Nice his dude. Brother, he, looks football? Like he could have played. I don't know. I bet, I would bet from his size that he, he had at some point played football. He was, a, he was a big guy. I'm 6'2", 210, and he made me feel very small. Um, Is he up there in first class? He wasn't man wasn't coach. Oh God! Um, bless him. Just like me, just the commoners, just <laughs> sitting there eating those those damn those those caramel waffles they give you. Those like those oh, little
0: cookies, a stroop waffle.
1: Yes, those things yes. are incredible. I know. I always ask for like three of them. I'm yeah. that guy. I'm like, yeah. yeah, I don't care. I'm gonna sit here and be terrified during turbulence. The least you can do is give me a stroop waffle. I, I always like the uh, I, I was always a favorite. Like when you fly Delta, those cookies. Yeah, the, the cookies. The cookies, the cookies oh, are like fantastic too.
0: Yeah. When we were very good. W- when I got married, we were flying back from, from Mexico on our honeymoon. <laughs> we, we were, we we're super poor. We're, we're, you know, flying as cheap as we can. We're in the very back of the plane and uh last row. And I'm talking to the the flight attendant and telling her, man, I, you know, I fly Delta just cause I love these cookies so much. They're incredible. <laughs> and then like right before we deplaned, she comes over and she just She's got like her apron and she's holding it out and she's, just, it's filled with the Delta cookies. And she, oh, it's amazing. She, she said, she said, shh, congratulations on your, on your marriage. And she just dumped oh. them on my tray table. It was incredible. I had them probably happier then
1: than in your wedding.
0: It was, it was, it was, it was incredible. <laughs> I, I, I won't say this. Don't know anybody tell my wife, but it was top five in the, in the list of memories for me.
1: Uh, before we get back to Jesus, I think the, the fan, you know, I'm be the listening football fan. Enjoy this. I was at the Senior Bowl uh, two years ago. I'm on the plane. It's all these guys, I and mean, everybody at least at the same time. It's all these personnel people in the NFL. A lot of them are foreign players, big guys. And we're flying. It's like a 30-minute flight from Mobile to Atlanta, and then everybody out of there is you know, going from where they got to go. It's a major hub. And <laughs> we get up off the ground, and we're hitting major turbulence. But the kind of turbulence, like people are looking around each other to see like, if they're freaking out. Like, they just, and – I won't say who it was. There was a a fairly well-known coach who got up and was like, what the F is going on with this plane? And (laughs) there was like a panic for a brief second. And then one of the, one of the stewardess is like, oh, it's okay, sir. It's just a little turbulence. We'll bring out refreshments. Of course they weren't going to, it's a 30 minute like flight. It's it's nothing. They start bringing out refreshments and it was something like that. People are like, bring out the good stuff, bring out the shots. (laughs) Like people were just getting like, it was insane. It was the best flight I've ever been on. It lasted 30 minutes. But we walked out of there with cookies and, and, and pretzels and sodas and, and, and alcohol. It was fantastic.
0: I'm not, I'm not look, I know you're not going to say who the coach was, but was he by chance wearing a hoodie with no sleeves? <laughs>
1: no. no. I'll <laughs> tell you after the show. Yeah. Okay. But it, it will make sense immediately. It was someone who you'd be like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> um, but it was either being like, oh, my God. Like I thought he was going to go postal. Yeah. And then I think, I think so did Delta or whatever <laughs> flight we were on. And they were just like, okay, okay. And they just brought out like everything they had in the back of the plane. It was wonderful. But, all right, so back to the Chiefs. Yeah. Um, uh, well, yeah, yeah. I, so
0: I wanted to ask, because this was driving me a little bit nuts during the game, because I felt like, look, Josh Allen, we'll talk about him in a second, could not throw the football for more than a couple yards at a time. No, he could not. And – the Chiefs were getting in these third down plays, and I was I was like, just drop into coverage. And Spaggs just kept blitzing and blitzing and blitzing and sending the house. And Josh Allen's a super mobile guy. It's the one thing he did well in this game was move around and run the football. And I, it was just driving me crazy because I, they were converting on these, either they were converting on third downs because he was running or he would complete a pass, or he was we were putting so much pressure on the DBs because they were back there on an island and they were getting some penalties and that helped keep a lot of their drives alive. So I wanted to ask you, do you think Spags blitzes a little bit too much when he should just drop into coverage?
1: I don't I li- I like aggressive defenses and I think I thought he did a nice job mixing that up tonight. I do think, you know, there are certainly times where you say okay, you know, maybe you want to drop there. It's third and 8, make him throw into coverage. I I think it's to each their own really. Um I like it, though. Maybe it's all those years of watching Bob Sutton play cover, Two, and it just made me want to jump off a building. So the fact that Spagnuolo blitzes, I enjoy it. But, yeah, I think there's an argument sometimes. Like, this week when they played Drew Locke, I would argue that I want him to blitz, like, half the game. I don't care. Go right at him. Go right at him and make him make a quick decision. Um, and I think that kind of was the thought process with Allen, on one hand, he's got good weapons, and he can run. So if you blitz, you run the risk of him getting out of the pocket or, or or somebody winning a one-on-one matchup. On the other hand, though, he's a young guy who is prone at times to throwing balls where he shouldn't and trying to extend plays and taking a huge loss. And so I understood. I think Spagnola's thought process was, look, if we can get him to make one big mistake, we win. And to be fair to Al, and I mean, he threw the pick late when it was over, but he didn't make the big mistake but he also didn't make the big play. And in, in, in essence, if I could say it, it essentially was one of the same.
0: The play that bugged me the most was on the pass interference call on Ward that led to a touchdown on third down. I think, and I know Spaggs, he's in the game flow and all that stuff, and he's maybe not looking at the box score. But at that point, I really just wanted them to, hey, hold them to a field goal because the Chiefs are moving right. the football. I agree. Don't, don't give them a chance to get the touchdown. I, I agree with you. I like that he's aggressive and it worked really well against Lamar Jackson. Not as not as well against it, didn't work against Justin Herbert. I mean, God bless that kid. He's I, I'm really enjoying yes. watching him other than the fact that the Chiefs have to play him again this year, but he's really cool under pressure. He's really something special.
1: Uh yeah, he is. Herbert's Herbert's gonna be a very good player for a while. He's he's got all the tools.
0: Yeah, he certainly does.
1: Okay, so Defensive penalties in a
0: secondary. Let's just touch on it real quick. Are you are you concerned? It seemed like they're going after Breland a lot, which I thought was kind of interesting. This is kind of the second week in a row, and we're getting some penalties back there. Is this just part of the natural flow of the NFL? You're going to get some pass interference calls. Teams are going to take some shots on you, or do you think they're really missing Lejarius Need?
1: Well, I think it's a two, I think it's twofold. Look, it is a little bit of the flow, and. Again, I have a visceral hatred of the guy who's like, we lost the game because the official. Shut up. You lost the game because your team's not good enough on that, on that given day. But I will be the guy this week that says, I thought some of those penalties were very borderline penalties. There was one on Breeland where he kind of had digs, but like not really. Like It didn't impact the play. and They called him for interference or maybe it was defensive holding. The play with Ward down the sideline, I didn't think it was a penalty. And – and I will also say this: Now, this flag got picked up. That initial flag throw on Thornhill on the flea flicker early in the game—that yeah. would have been it. I, right. I, I would have had to go up to the roof if they. I was blown if that thought. was blowing my car. That was so bad. I, I was catatonic when he threw that flag. I'm mean, like, he didn't even touch him. So, yeah. look, now that said, the Chiefs do have to be bare with the penalties. Okay, there's still too many, and the Chiefs have to understand one thing. I think they do understand this. The only way they're losing is if they beat themselves. They are so talented and so well-coached. They can make a few mistakes and win the game. The thing is they can't make the killer mistakes, and they had a few big penalties. I do think, though, they are missing Snead. Snead was a revelation when he played. He was tremendous. Uh, And and so when he comes back, he gives you another corner, more depth. And I will say this to wrap up. Fenton has been phenomenal. Phenomenal. Like, you never hear Rashad Fenton's name. You know why? Because nobody throws at him. Rashad Fenton, you go watch the tape. Rashad Fenton is like a blanket. It's unbelievable. Nobody gets open on the guy. I, I thought their secondary was very good tonight. A little grabby at times. Um, and they will get sneed back here fairly soon, and that'll be a big boost. Um, but I, I love that I saw for the most part. I thought the Chiefs played very well against an offense. It's been very good this year.
0: And they did a really nice job on Diggs, which was the guy that you needed to stop. So yes. if that was goal number one for the defense, and I think it was, mission accomplished. Okay, so we talked about Josh Allen earlier, so I'm going to skip over this note. He's just not, it wasn't good. He wasn't good. He's had a good season. We'll see, but not a great showing for him. Let's go to my favorite segment. It's earning their arrowheads. So we had a, quite a few people I felt like earned their arrowheads tonight. Top of the list, Clyde Edwards-Elair. I think that's a no-brainer. Travis Kelsey, who we haven't really talked about a lot tonight, another terrific game from him. I believe he led the team in receiving two touchdowns. How about that that touchdown catch by him in the end zone? It was also a brilliant throw by Mahomes, but the sliding catch that he made late in the game to to get a first down. Great catch. And to keep his fingers under that ball. I mean, it was literally all the room he had was his fingers, or that's an incomplete pass. Really terrific job by him. Patrick Mahomes. Earned his arrowhead. Uh, not a flashy game from him as far as putting up crazy numbers. But again, this was a game where it wasn't the game for Mahomes to, to chuck the ball over the yard. It was the game to take the yards that the team was giving them. And he really did a nice job. When they needed him to make plays, he made the plays. He got out of the pocket, made a really great throw to another player who earned his arrowhead, and that's Byron Pringle. Not out there a lot, not a, a – crazy threat as a wide receiver but what he did on that play where he had that big catch was he kept moving his route didn't work out he was on the other side of the field Mahomes was running to his right Pringle just left his guy ran across the middle of the field got open first down play uh that's why a guy like Byron Pringle is still on this team right
1: yes absolutely and i got to tell you i'm a Cole Hardman fan Cole Hardman's getting to a point here like it put up a shut up a little bit. I mean, he didn't get the ball once in this game. Uh, was targeted one time. Pringle, two catches, 46 yards, two targets. Guy made plays. Kelsey, you mentioned, five catches, 65 yards, two touchdowns. Robinson actually led the team in the yardage. It surprised me. Five catches, 69 yards on six targets. They, they went to him a lot. I think it's pretty obvious at this point, Robinson's is third receiver. They trust him more than they trust Hartman. But I thought the Chiefs were very, very good um, and distributing the ball and moving it around. I will say this. If Nick Kaiser never gets another target, that's fine. Like, If there was one play call in that game that drove me crazy and they ran a screen to Nick Kaiser, I, I almost had that. Anyways.
0: You know what? I'll you tell cannot, you, though, they missed a block on that play. It would have worked. He would have gone for another 10 yards.
1: I get that. I don't ever want Nick Kaiser having the football, ever. Sure. And it's nothing against you personally, Nick Kaiser. There's just a million guys on this team I'd rather be getting the ball to. Give so, it to Sherman. Well, man's on the COVID list, but yeah, normally oh, give right. him a shirt. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. And by the way, to clarify that not, the COVID list doesn't always mean he has COVID. He could have been near somebody who was exposed and it tested positive. Got it. Um, yeah. But no, listen, I think those arrowheads are, are, you know, all correct. I think, uh, for me and, and my, my old man who listens to this actually want, he told me to toss this on there for him. His arrowhead goes to the offensive line, which is phenomenal. Yeah. I think that's fairly obvious. They were great. Um, Mine actually goes to a guy we talked about earlier, and kind of asked a question about it is Spagnolo. They busted a bunch of coverages last week. They didn't play well. I always think it's a sign of a great team and a great coach when they make those corrections immediately and they bounce back. And tonight, they played a team that is an explosive team, and the Bills look nothing like an explosive team. The Chiefs throttled them the whole game. That even when the Bills moved, other than the one drive late in the game it was very hard for them to move. It was not easy. It was not quick. They couldn't run the ball at all, which is impressive considering that they've, they've been a team, even though they've struggled to run the ball, the Chiefs have struggled to stop the run. Well, tonight, 23 carries, 84 yards, 3.7 yards a carry, which is right in line with what the Bills have done all year, but obviously not in line with what the Chiefs have been giving up, did a great job, no, no touchdowns on the ground. Um, I thought Kansas City... Did, it, did an awesome job, and I thought Spagnuolo was at the tip of that spear. Yeah, and I want to add Taco
0: Charlton to our list because I feel like he's it's been a really nice pickup for this team. He gets in there, he gets pressure, makes some nice plays uh, in the situations that he's put in. Thought he did a nice job tonight. And, of course, got to throw one out to Dirty Dan just because, it, you know, it was a it wasn't the just the fact that he got the interception, but my wife turned to me and she said, he looked like Kelsey on that play. He went up one-handed and snatched that ball and made a pretty pretty difficult catch. So I got to give it out to Dirty Dan. Maybe he can get some run as a, a seventh or eighth receiver. What do you think?
1: I I thought it was a hell of a catch. It cracked me up that Chiefs tweeted out at me They put on Instagram or something afterwards where clearly Breland was going to pick it off. It was going right to him, and Sorensen stuck it up and robbed it totally him. He totally stole it. Yeah. So yeah. I'm sure I'm sure they're laughing about that getting on the plane tonight. But hey, you know, hell of a play! You seal the game, you take care of business, and Sorensen's got a pension for that. Hit a last year against the Chargers. Uh, you know, he, he's got a little bit of a habit of doing that. So hey, kudos to him! Nice play, and good way to end the game.
0: Dirty Dan often is in the right place at the right time, and that's why he's on the team. Okay, the Chiefs have now beaten the New England Patriots, who, granted, not the same New England Patriots, but. Don't count them out ever. As long as Belichick's there, they've beaten the Ravens handedly. They've beaten the Bills pretty handedly. Safe to say, game against the Raiders aberration.
1: Yes, yeah, and I do say say last week. Like they just, I'm not a big you know guy swear on the pocket, but like shit happens. Sometimes it really does. Like it, honestly, I know people don't like to hear that because it doesn't answer questions. You talk to anybody in the NFL, like they're not. I'm not saying the Chiefs are thrilled about it. I'm sure they were annoyed and they made corrections. Obviously, they came out and played much better this week. But the other team tries too, and if you don't play well, it happens. The Chiefs. I I, I never worried about that game. The defense has been excellent five out of six weeks now. The offense has been very good most of the year, and now I think you know, we'll maybe get a little bit into this either at the end of this or next next show in a few days. But now the Chiefs to me. Emerge from the hard part of their schedule. Played the Bills. Played the Ravens. They played the Chargers on the road. I know the Chargers are one and four. But the Chargers are better than that record. They beat them on the road. They beat New England. I don't care who the quarterback was. You beat Belichick. Now you get into a part of your schedule. You look at their last 10 games of the year. They are going to be massive prohibited favorites in eight of the games, including their rematch against the Raiders, by the way, which is off a of buy on Sunday night football. Um the only two games are not going to be huge favorites in is at Tampa and at New Orleans, and they might be favored in those games. So now you got three more games for the bye at Denver, home to the Jets, home to the Panthers. I mean, it, the Chiefs take care of business. They'll be 8 and 1. They got through the hard part. Now they got to roll. Now they got to start to separate here and, and, and put their foot on the gas for that one seed.
0: Yeah. Panthers definitely the hardest game coming up before the bye week. I'll tell you what. <laughs> If they run the ball, the Jets are so bad and Le'Veon Bell is going to want to prove a point in that game. I mean, it could get ugly. They might run for 400 yards. I watched, I've got Miles Gaskin on a couple of my fantasy teams, so I watched a good bit of that Miami Jets game. Also, by the way, hats off to Miami. Uh, Much better than I think anybody would have thought that they would be, but they're playing really hard and they've got some talented guys there. But he was running all over. the, The Jets just, it's like they're a, it's like they're a minor league football team or a college team or something. I mean, it is bad. It is going to be really, really, really bad when the Jets come to Kansas City unless something, a miracle happens in New York.
1: The Chiefs will do things to them that should put that game behind a pay, like a pay-per-view wall. <laughs> yeah. that game, That's the kind of game that I, and I have no idea if this is, realistic, but if Andy Reid has a beef with Adam Gase or or Greg Williams and he just decides, you know what, guys, we're going full throttle for 60 minutes, they'll beat them by 50 points. I'm not even kidding. They'll literally beat them by 50 points. They'll kill them.
0: But Is there a chance that Adam Gase, if he's still around, gets fired at halftime of that game?
1: If I was Adam Gase, I'd fire myself before that game. (laughs) I mean, that is – by the way, their next game is the Bills. So the Bills and the Chiefs. Yeah they're going to get they're going to get a very pissed off Bills team at MetLife Stadium and then they come to Arrowhead. Good luck. Yeah, it's going to be
0: going to be bad. Okay, let's get to our fan questions, which by the way, these came on Twitter tonight. You can always leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. We really appreciate when you do that. It really helps yes. us find new listeners. And please in your written review on Apple Podcasts, leave us a question at the end. We will guaranteed uh, we, we will guaranteed to answer that. I need to go back to grammar school there. It's been a long day. Um, we won't answer your questions, so please help us out with those reviews over on Apple Podcasts. All right, we're going to go rapid fire here for the Twitter mailbag. First question comes from Brian Foss. That's at Brian underscore Foss. He says, Andy seems to go full throttle in September with the playbook, then dial it back in October. Is this an actual pattern or am I imagining things? This is true, right? The Chiefs tend to not lose in September, look a little shaky at times in October. Is this just teams get some tape adjustments get made, this is something that happens getting to the midway point of the season?
1: Yeah, I, and I think that's what it is. Look, the Chiefs just don't typically have to adjust in September because they're killing everybody. And then, you know, teams adjust to them. Uh, I just think a lot of it is Andy early on. I mean, they've got all these plays he came up with during the offseason. They run, no one's ever seen them. And then the Chiefs adjust back. Um, but I, I don't I don't think it's anything more than that. I think that's that's why you kind of see that rhythm with the Chiefs, the way the seasons have broken down on the reef.
0: Next question comes from our coworker here at FanSided, works over at fansided.com, Mark Powell. Does the night shift over there for us. Mark asks, he's a Pittsburgh guy, how should the Chiefs, how should Chiefs fans feel about the Steelers? Are they a legitimate threat or is it too early to tell? Mark, they're absolutely a threat. I think they're the biggest threat to the Chiefs in the AFC. Uh, thankfully, the Chiefs don't have to play them in the regular season. That could work out for them or against them, depending on how some tiebreakers work out. But I think the Steelers, after the Chiefs, are the clear second-best team in football.
1: I'll say this straight up. The Steelers are the only team that could beat them. The Steelers are, and I've felt that way dating back to the offseason. There's records. I've written it. I've said it a million times on Stack in the Box. Um, the Steelers' pass rush is ridiculous. They're a very, very good defense. And Devin Bush going down to torn ACL is a major injury for them. But they scare me far more than NBLCAC. Baltimore doesn't match up well with the Chiefs. I respect Tennessee, but the Chiefs are a better well-rounded team than Tennessee is. I, the, the Bills, I think we, we saw why you would think the Chiefs would be the Bills. The only other team kind of is New England just because of Belichick. You just never know what the hell you're getting. But, oh, absolutely. Pittsburgh, to me, far and away is the biggest threat to the Chiefs.
0: Absolutely. Next question comes from Luke Townsend. He's at at L Townsend 10. Luke asks, who will be wide receiver one in 2022? And why is it By- Byron Pringle? Uh, Byron Pringle is doesn't want to go away. Man wants to stay on the team. He's got dreams. All right, let's go to the next one. Um, this one comes from Hunter Erickson. He's at at Hunter underscore ER one one five. He says, it's tough and touchy subject, but what happened to me, Is he a trade candidate this deadline or would it be more likely this offseason? Right. Or do you think the Chiefs give him year three, especially if they bring in a wide receiver in the draft? We talked about this earlier, but I mean, are they going to trade him? I don't think that's something that they would consider. Do you?
1: No, I don't think they're going to trade him. I don't think they'll trade him, but I do think we're getting to a point here. And Hardman's talented. Look, Hardman had a good rookie year, okay? This isn't – I don't want to make it about whether or not Hardman can play in the NFL. He can play. And I know people bitch and moan that they didn't draft D.K. Metcalf. Look, no team hits everything. Hardman's a good football player. But there's something going on. That's something I'll I'll do a little digging on here this week. Is, Is it more about the playbook that he's not totally comfortable with it? Is there a nagging injury going on? Is, is it Mahomes just just trust Robinson more because he's been with him a little longer? I mean, all those things come into play. But the Chiefs do need more from Harmon. But, no, I do not think he'll be traded. And as far as 2022's number one receiver, I, I think it'll be Mr. Tyreek Hill. Uh, and, I mean, I, I know he's not signing away. Well, he signed maybe through that year, if, I, if memory serves, his last year. I think he'll be the number one. I, I don't foresee him going anywhere for a while.
0: Next question comes from Eric Williams at underscore red Cow. Eric asks, thoughts on Byron Pringle? A lot of Byron Pringle questions tonight. Should he play more in Watkins' absence? Seems like Hardman isn't doing much, and he isn't doing much when given the chance. Eric, I, look, Byron Pringle's a, a nice player, special teams guy, right? F- fill in, but I still think if you're choosing between Hardman, just on raw talent alone, you want Hardman out there. I think he creates problems for the defense that maybe Pringle doesn't. Now, does that mean that Pringle shouldn't maybe get rotated in a little bit more? If he's, if he's running good routes and making things happen, yeah, but like, he's been around for a while. He's had a couple games here and there where he's looked good, but there's a reason why he's behind Tyree Kill, McCole Hardman, Sammy Watkins, and Demarcus Robinson, right? So I just think it's – on another team, maybe he's a, a nice fourth or third receiver, but on the Chiefs, I think it's going to be hard for him to get playing
1: time. Do you agree, Vertoram? Yeah, I do. It's going to be hard. But I will say, though, Byron Pringle, I'll give him a couple things. The guy's great on special teams. And whenever they throw the ball to him, he catches it like he's dependable as all get out. So I do agree. Look, Hardman just has more raw ability as, as you put it. I think that's fair. I, um, But Pringle's valuable. Pringle does add value. It's why he's on the team. That's why he plays a decent amount. On, he plays every snap on special teams and he'll, he'll play with Watkins out. So, I wouldn't give him a ton more time, but I don't have a problem with him rotating in. He's done well. Whenever he's been given the opportunity, he's he's answered the call. Curtis Hines at
0: Curtis Hines 5 asks, was it Clyde the O-line or the defense that made the run work?
1: I think it was a combination. There were a lot of runs where he had huge holes. But my most impressive moments for Edwards Alaire was – the runs where he had early contact and he still gained four or five yards. Those runs to me, like and I, okay, he's not like Jamal Charles because Charles is a totally different style of runner, but the one thing I always loved about Jamal Charles, everybody points to the 80-yard runs and all that stuff. I always appreciate with Jamal Charles that he turned a one-yard loss into a three-yard game. There is so much value in that, and Edwards Allaire does that a lot. Where you look at a run, guy got two. Oh, no, he got six. Like those are hidden yards, that are huge, 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 huge. They add up in games. They make third and second down conversions easier. So I think it was both. Though the line was phenomenal, but Edwards-Delaire, there were some times he got you know hit quickly, and he was able to to make yardage anyway.
0: Mister SW at I Run DCLJ asks, Do the Chiefs have an identity for the 2020 season yet? I. I think so. I think their identity is winning, you know, winning whichever way they need to win, whether it's a shootout, whether it's running the football, throwing the football. I, I think that's this team's identity. It's Super Bowl or bust. They don't really care what they need to do to win as long as they win, ugly or pretty. for I,
1: I think it's an interesting question. I would say that they don't right now, that they don't offensively have an I think defensively they, they do. I know the Raiders game threw everybody off the scent. The Chiefs have been really good defensively, really good. Um, I will say though, I think right now, you know, it depends because they're in flux due to the way teams have played them. However, I would say, I do think they have an identity in this sense, when the chips are down, 15's getting the ball. Like that's like ultimately, so if you're asking, do they have an identity in terms of how they want to play every game? I'd say it's kind of uh, free flowing right now because they're trying to adjust. But if you said to me if they went to a playoff game right now, do they have an identity? Yeah, give Patrick Mahomes the ball and get the hell out of the way. That that's that's the identity. He's the best player in the world. So I hope that answers the question. I know it's kind of two answers to one, but I think it's applicable there.
0: Chris at Chris Simmons underscore asks: Do you expect Le'Veon Bell to be a significant part of the offense this year? If so, how? Yeah, I think he, I think he's still I think he's the backup to Clyde Edwards Elair, but. A one A one B sort of situation.
1: I think you're going to see him replace a lot of Darrell Williams with snaps, which means third down pass pro can leak out, catch the ball. Uh, I mentioned earlier. My understanding is they they think he can add to in red zone and short yardage as well. Yeah, I think he's going to be significant because he's going to be in on a lot of important plays, a lot of third downs, a lot of inside the twenties. You know, a lot of a lot of that fourth and one type stuff. Um, so yes. And I also think, look, you have to be realistic. If if he's mediocre and he's not playing that well, then they don't care. They have no allegiance to him. They'll they'll sit him. But if he goes out there and he's ripping off you know twenty yard runs, it looks unbelievable. Then yeah, I mean they're they're going to go hell. He's another great player. Let's put him in the in the mix. So I I do think he'll be an important piece. I don't think he's going to usurp Edwards Eller or anything like that. Keith
0: McLean of the Clan McLean, he's at the Clan McLean, says, "Will the NFL defenses ever not play the pass with Mahomes at quarterback?"
1: No, no, no. And if they do, it's absolute suicide. Yeah, uh, no. Teams, the Chiefs could have Barry Sanders and Walter Payton's love child, and it, it would not matter. Like teams, are just, that's great. They run the ball, please run the football. <laughs> it, it, no at no point with Mahomes back there are you going to be going, ah, let's, let's take away the run and make him beat us. That's just, <laughs> that's a damn sure way to get fired. Yeah. But that is.
0: Yeah. Well, it's too bad. They don't get a chance to play Romeo Cornell and the Texans one more time. Oh
1: my God. That... <laughs> By the way, speaking uh, of that, uh, we're recording this on a Monday night. Obviously uh, the Cardinals are 28 to three on the Cowboys. Nice game.
0: Uh, so that, uh, Andy Dalton thing didn't work out for him.
1: It's not been great. It's not yeah. been great. <laughs>
0: Ah, uh, Susan Kipper or Kipper asks at Susan Kipper, what? Why the shift to the run-heavy game? I love that we have a run game now, but expected more balance. I think we talked about that during the podcast tonight, Susan. You know, it's just the Chiefs are reacting to what the defenses are giving them, and if they're going to drop, you know, everybody but three linemen into coverage, yeah, the Chiefs can still try to throw the ball if they want, but there's going to be plenty of room. To gash teams for six, seven, eight yards a carry, which is what we saw tonight. So, uh, you know, I think we're going to see more of that. Some teams are going to we're going to get deep, stubborn defensive coordinators where they're gonna they're still going to try to blitz, like we saw with the Ravens. Some defensive coordinators are going to try to mix it up more, make it hard on Mahomes. I think the teams that are really scared are going to do what the Bills did, and what the Raiders did, which is just not blitz, drop as many guys into coverage as they, as they can, and try to extend the game.
1: Yeah. And I think that's true. Look, the Chiefs ran the ball because that's what the defense dictated. There was nobody in the box. They were dropping seven immediately. So it was essentially a five-on-four power play. And the Chiefs just said, fine. You want to do that? Fine. We're going to run you over. And they did. Um, the easiest way to get back to the quote-unquote balance where you're you know, 50-50 is keep doing that. Teams are eventually going to come up, and then the Chiefs will hit them with huge shots. I guarantee when they play Denver, if they if this game starts out, the Same way the Buffalo did game, the Buffalo game did, and the Bills are, excuse me, the Broncos are dropping seven, dropping seven, dropping seven. Chiefs run the ball. There will come a point in that game with Vic Fangio where they will come up and they will bring pressure, and believe me, the Chiefs will hit them for a massive play over the top. The Bills they never broke, they stayed in that defense, and the Chiefs bled them to death. After seeing that sixty minutes on film, Denver might try the same approach. But they will not sit in that for sixty minutes. They can't. They know that they'll lose. They don't have the offense Buffalo has. So I, w- I would expect more balance this coming week. But I do think the Chiefs were prudent to run the football, and it has an effect on these defenses. When you run the football on somebody,
0: we saw it at the end of this game. It's demoralizing. The moralizer. The, 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 yeah, they were getting they were getting personal foul penalties because the the Bills defenders were just pissed off. They'd had enough, and that worked to the Chiefs' advantage. So. It's just going to be difficult for, for teams to take that for, for 60 minutes. And you're right. Then the Chiefs are going to make plays. Okay. Uh, Excelsior Mindset asks, can we petition for Troy Aikman to not call Chiefs games? I like Troy Aikman. I think he's fantastic. I don't, I don't get that
1: one. You know what? First of all, great Twitter handle. Elite Twitter handle. Second of all, and everybody hates every announcer. You all can't of them. Stand Joe, Ball, he, Joe Buck's terrible. Oh, Troy, Troy Aikman's terrible. Oh, I, I can't stand Jim Nance. He's terrible. Every time I tweet out who the announcer pairings are for the Chiefs games, I, I get just flooded with a deluge. Oh, I hate that guy. They're fine. They're yeah. fine. And let me tell you something, okay? When I was in college, and I, I've, I've met Troy Aikman, but I've never had a real long conversation with him. But when I was in college, I worked as a local utility for ESPN Under their football, just, just to say that – you know, if they came. I, w- I went to school about three hours from Buffalo. So if they went to Buffalo, if they went to New England, they went to, the, you know, uh, some of those stadiums up there. They would call me and I'd go and I would essentially be a gopher, right? I was a 19 year old kid. I got paid. I got to be on the field during the games. It was awesome. And so one game, actually at, at Buffalo, I'm sitting in an ESPN trailer and it's me and Steve Young. And Steve Young's just sitting there watching the game on a flat screen, waiting to go on to do the post game show. Nobody like if you've never been with one of these guys, and I don't say this as, a, as an insult to anyone, it just it's, you have no idea how smart these guys are about football. I was sitting there with Steve Young, and I'm 20 years old, and I think I at least know a little bit about football. The Cowboys, it was a Cowboys-Bills game. The Cowboys would come to the line of scrimmage, and before they'd even get set, Young was like, he's going to take a five-step drop, and he's going to throw it right there. And he's going to get picked off because Buffalo in a cover three and they're, they're lurking in the. And I'm like, what is he talking? Swear on my life. It's exactly what happened. Guy picks it off, runs back for a touchdown. That must have happened 25 times watching that game where he was just like, this is what's going to happen. And he's going to get eight yards. And it was like the guy, it's like Steve Young was watching it like a minute ahead of me. It was unreal. So I enjoyed Troy Aikman. And I'm going to – yeah any, any of those guys want to impart any knowledge, I'm all for it because they know more about football than I could ever dream of.
0: Chris Hill at Chris Hill 44 asks, help me fix the Bills. This is a good one. Look, Chris, I, uh, yeah, I'm a Chiefs fan, obviously. I don't think the Bills need to be fixed. I, I think, is the team perfect? No. But you've got really nice players on the team. you got Stephon Diggs, some good pieces on defense probably going to make playoffs, very well may win the division. And to his credit, Josh Allen has improved each year. He's been in the league so far. So if he's able to continue that, if he's able to continue to defy the odds and improve as a passer and utilize his athletic skills running the football, I think the Bills will be just fine. I think they'll be a perennial playoff team.
1: Right. I'm not going to answer this seriously because Chris Hill is a former sweet man of mine in college and a good friend of mine. And so Hill, I don't, I don't care. Yeah, your bills are fine. Hill Hill's Hill's a damn good guy. Great dude. Lots of fun, man. We we uh, lived together for a year. i have safe friend since and uh, die hard die hard Bills fan. A lot the kind of fan who was there through like JP and and would go to the games and sit there and freeze to death. So Bills are fine. Don't worry about it, man. They will they will be just fine. They get the Jets this week, so it's gonna be good in about six days.
0: <laughs> yeah, they'll be back on the winning track. Run it back season at c s h e r underscore thirteen asks why is Ben Neiman still on the team? I think we got, I think we get this question every week because they don't say. have anybody else.
1: Yeah, I mean, look, man. Yeah, like I'll, I'll say, you know, why? In all seriousness, because Steve Spagnuolo trusts him. He said that once in a presser. I can't remember if it was Super Bowl week. I feel like I was there in the presser. Maybe I, well, I'm, I don't hold me to that part of it, but. He's like, I know that Ben Neiman's going to be where he's supposed to be. And that means a lot to me. Now, you, know, you could sit there and say, well, that's BS. I don't care. Get somebody who's better. And I'm not arguing that. I'm just answering your question. That's why they trust Ben Neiman. I will say, though, yes, it's time, Like, not that Damian Wilson's Mike Singletary, but like, play Damian Wilson, who, by the way, had a truck stick on Devin Singletary one time in this game. Oh, my God, he yeah. hit him in the next month. But Willie Gay. Like Willie Gay's got wheels. Like, and I know he's a rookie. He's probably prone to make mistakes. That's why he's not going to see a ton of action yet. But I, I agree. Like Neiman, Neiman is the classic special teams guy who needs to be the special teams guy. Championship Swagger at Brandon422
0: asks, Why is Carr a better quarterback than Jackson, Herbert, Watson, and Al?
1: <laughs> he's not. Good for but he looked like it, didn't yeah. he? Yeah. It helps when guys are running wide open down the field if you're yeah. an NFL quarterback. It uh, helps when you're in cover three, and then all of a sudden one of the cover three guys just decides to blitz. Yeah. Like that's that's <laughs> never good.
0: Yeah. Uh, DJ asks, at Derry Frankie, why did they go run heavy? Because the Bills let them do it, and it was they working. They dictated it. Yeah. They dictated it. And our last, uh, last question comes from, boat captain one at captain c columbus 92 be careful there uh (laughs) yeah no not a not a popular guy uh will darwin thompson 34 be cut this week
1: i i know that question comes because bell's going to be on the roster yeah no he's not gonna get cut he's not gonna get cut i i think uh, I mean absolute worst case scenario. They they'd put him on the practice squad, but they'd probably risk losing him because some team would sign him full time. I, I don't I do not think he'll be gone. No, but do you think I'd be he's, yeah. I'd be very surprised. <sighs> I'd have to look at the roster off the oh, I'm so fried. Uh DeAndre Washington, is he, on the, is he on the active roster right now? I think they did promote him from the practice squad, yeah. He is, right? I, I think, think I think he, he was an that. active tonight. So uh I just I'm just looking it up real quick so I want to give an honest answer. Uh inactives tonight. Yeah, I think I think he'll just be sent down. Yeah. Uh, Or 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 outright released. I do not think Darwin Thompson's in any danger of being cut. He had a nice run tonight. A couple nice plays. Listen, he's fine. Yeah, he's fine. Second year kid. He's okay. All right, everybody. I think that's
0: it for us tonight. The Chiefs move to five and one. They're looking good, especially given their upcoming schedule. No serious, serious injuries tonight keeping an eye on Mitchell Schwartz is back. If you like what you heard, you can subscribe to the Arrowhead Attic podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, Amazon Music, everywhere else you get your podcasts. Again, make sure you head over to Apple Podcasts and leave us those five-star reviews with your questions in the review, and we will answer them on the podcast. Please make sure you read Arrowhead Attic. They're going to have all the fallout tonight, tomorrow. Matt Connor does a terrific job over there. And you can follow us on Twitter. He's at, at Matt @MattVerderam. I'm at, at R. Patrick Allen. Matt Connor is at, at @MattConnorAA. And of course, follow at ArrowheadAddict. We'll be back on Thursday to get you ready for Bronco Week, uh, which I guess it's Bronco Week now. We're, yep. we're going to we're
1: quick going week a mile
0: high. Yeah, and uh, get some more Chiefs football here in a few days. All right, everybody. Thank you for listening. For Matt Verderam, I'm Patrick Allen. We'll see you next time. And as always, go Chiefs.